0: Thank you for tuning into episode 82 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. Okay. Hey, I have a fantastic guest on the virtual couch today. Her name is Ralphie Jacobs, and she is a truly amazing woman whose mission in life is to teach people how to use their power as a parent to create a life full of purpose. She lives in Austin, Texas, and uh, I think we we cover everything in the interview, so I really want to get right to it. But I do want to give you a heads up and I am so I am trying not to feel guilt or shame if you've heard some of my previous episodes for this. But I had my first ever audio related issue in this podcast and uh, and it just bums me out. So I've listened to most of the audio and the content is all there. Ralphie is amazing. And thankfully, the problem tends to only be there for the most part when I'm speaking. I mean, I even I even thought about uh, trying to go in there and just, you know, edit in me asking the questions again and, uh, but I liked a lot of the feedback Ralphie got me snorting a lot she's funny and uh, she's very quick quick on her feet and we even did a speed round that I've never done before. but uh, I can't really even describe what the problem is but until you hear it it wasn't feedback. Uh, it wasn't just static, but there was just a bunch of noise kind of happening from time to time during the recording. But but the content is good. And I'm saying that as far as Ralphie um, was, was great. I mean, she is such an advocate for positive parenting that uh, I just didn't want to cut anything out. And uh, so Ralphie has a tremendous following on Instagram. She, you can find her at simply on purpose, all one word. And I just didn't want to not run the interview because of some of the audio issues. So please forgive me. Again, I'm very aware of it. Um, I take great pride in the, um, the, the audio recording. I've try, I try to get the, the equipment that will make everything sound good. And uh, so anyway, this is it. 82 episodes in. Here's my, um, here's my vulnerability So, um, and I've recorded again since recording this episode and the problem wasn't there. So I don't know if somebody was maybe cleaning the internet that morning, left a vacuum on something while we were recording or what, but again, I'm just grateful that Ralphie accepted my invitation to come on the podcast and she shared so much good information that I believe will help parents and grandparents and maybe soon to be parents and anybody that can basically spell the word parent, anybody. Uh, I've included how to reach Ralphie in the show notes of this episode on my website, and uh, you can go to TonyOverbay.com. All of it will be there with the notes about uh, where to find Ralphie. You know, or admittedly, I hope that you'll sign up while you're there to receive info from time to time on some programs that I'm working on with regard to parenting and happiness and couples communication and much, much more. And since Ralphie has such an incredible Instagram following, and she tells a little bit of that story, which is a lot of fun. Those of you who are coming here to hear about Ralphie, and if you follow her on Instagram, it would mean the world to me if you could head over to my Instagram account at Couch. And uh, and go ahead and follow me there as well. So, all right, let's get to my interview with Ralphie Jacobs of Simply on Purpose. So, hey, my uh, my guest today on the virtual couch is Ralphie Jacobs um, of Simply on Purpose. Ralphie, welcome to the Virtual Couch Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and I okay. So, can I can I go total old man here for a second and kind of share how I learned of you.
1: Oh yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. So, um, you know, there's a thing called Instagram. I think you're pretty familiar with it, right? All the, all the the kids are talking about it. Right. Um, so, so I, I, you had mentioned the virtual couch podcast on your Instagram story. And is that even the right thing to call it Ralphie?
1: Yes. Insta stories. Insta
0: story. Okay. So you have already learned. And so (laughs) when you mentioned, um, the virtual couch on your Insta story, I can't even tell you how many people contacted me and said, did you know that Ralphie from simply on purpose mentioned the virtual couch? And, and so I went and looked, uh, looked you up and it was like, oh my gosh, you have a zillion followers. And all of a sudden I felt not worthy and I had to go listen to you, uh, shouting out the virtual couch. And then all of a sudden I was in, and now I, I want to know about Insta stories and I'm following you on a daily basis. So, uh, so thank you for the mention.
1: Oh, of course you completely earned it. <laughs>
0: (laughs) Well, very kind. So, so do you mind giving a little background on how long have you been doing Insta stories? How did you start on Instagram? What's that like for you?
1: So, um, I've been on Instagram for quite a while, but it was just, um, a family feed. It was just something that was personal, personal feed that I had. And I had maybe like 300 followers. Um, but there was a point in my life where I just really felt inspired to, um, Cast my net wider. I was teaching parenting classes here locally in Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. I just um, felt like, yeah, I needed to speak louder to to more people. And I felt like, oh, you know, where's the fastest way? How can I reach the most moms? Where are yeah. they? And they're on they're on social media. So I changed my handle to simply on purpose, and that I've been doing simply on purpose for about a year and a half.
0: Oh, okay. So a year and a half ago, were you still around that? I mean, just a few hundred followers. I mean, has it grown that fast?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I started out with like 350 and it's grown um, that fast in a year. Wow. Yeah. Um,
0: was that was that a surprise? I mean, the how quickly things did take off for you, Ralphie?
1: That it was a shock to me. I, at one point I hit a thousand fo- or uh, yeah, a thousand followers. And I told my husband, I'm like, Oh my word, this is so <laughs> Overwhelming. (laughs) And he's like, honey, I think it's going to, this isn't, you're not done. You're still going to grow more. And I was like, I can't, that's a lot of people. This is just way too overwhelming for me. And so um, I'm naturally an introvert. I'm kind of, I like to keep to myself. Okay. (laughs) It, It was very much a growth process for me to just speak out. And I still am surprised when I go places and people recognize me because. To me, I'm just talking to my phone. In- right. <laughs>
0: and, yeah. and so when, and when he said, you know, you're at a thousand and this thing's going to get bigger. I mean, even at that time, were you thinking, I don't know. I don't know if we can get to 5,000, maybe 10,000. Oh, yeah.
1: I was like, no, we're done. Like, <laughs> this is good. I'm, I am so happy with a thousand and actually overwhelmed with a thousand. But it just, um, it kept growing. And that just speaks to me that parents are desperate for tools that this generation needs yeah badly um, because they're parenting you know in a different environment
0: sure and, and you know, and it's funny when you talk about the followers because I know that a lot of people do um, take a lot of stock in the number of followers, and I found that even when I was telling people that I was scheduling you for a podcast interview, I think from the time that I said that, maybe two or three weeks ago to today, you you've gained another 15,000 followers. I mean, it, so do you do you even kind of pay attention to that anymore or is it you know does it just kind of blow your mind
1: it kind of blows my mind um <laughs> i i i still feel like i'm talking to the one uh-huh. in my talk so it and almost every time somebody says hey this was an answer to a prayer this is something that i've really been struggling with today yeah i i still feel like it's to the one uh, um I do not, I cannot even comprehend how many people I'm actually speaking to. So I don't let it worry me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, can I, and can I ask you, do you get a lot of, then do you get a lot of direct messages or people asking you specific questions or? um...
1: Yeah, yes, I do. I get, um, I get a lot. (laughs) I, and um, when it was a smaller number of followers, I was more able to answer pretty much all of them. Yeah. And read all of them. And it helps direct what I speak about or I, you know, something will spark. I'm like, yes, we need to talk about that tomorrow um, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I can't. Sadly, I wish I could because most of the DMs that I get are pleas for help. I mean, we're in that line of business. Like they really is um, please for help, which is just, it's so heartbreaking.
0: Well, and, and, and I feel like that's, the, you know, I, and I'm, I don't have the followers that you have, but just wanting to to share or spread the word or felt feeling impressed to um, yeah, try to give hope in marriage or parenting that yeah. then when those please come and a lot of times they come with a, you know, you're an answer to prayer or you, I feel like you can help me. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. And that is, I can feel pretty heavy. I mean, I don't know if you kind of struggle with that feeling as well.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I absolutely do. I do struggle with it. Um, but I went into this knowing that my family is always going to be a priority. Yeah, I have to put boundaries on Instagram.
0: Yeah. So now I even feel more grateful that you got back to me on my DM. You
1: know? Oh my heavens! <laughs> I I am so grateful for people that invite me to speak on podcasts because I like my audience gets to know me better and i am introduced to a new audience so it's a way to spread the word
0: okay hey so then if you don't mind what how often are you recording and uh how much time do you feel like you spend on that each day
1: um i try to record at least three times a week maybe sometimes more i try to take a day off the weekends i take off um, it just depends, you know, if I'm doing like a challenge, um, if I'm focusing on a specific topic like um, not yelling at your children or uh, like I just did a campaign a couple of weeks ago about stepping back and giving your child autonomy and just thinking, what can I not do to help my child to grow? Okay. So that one, you know, I spoke for two to three days straight about it. So I kind of... I kind of feel like I break the mold with Instagram in the way that um, I I focus on topics yeah. for a, a period of time versus just you know, Instagramming. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, like here's here's my day, that kind of thing, right? So you a little more, a little more. Well, I guess on a little more purpose to uh, what you're recording.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a very purposeful feed, and I think that maybe that's why it speaks to parents that they're like, oh. You know, I'm not just waste, quote unquote, wasting my time here. It's not a time suck, but it's I'm actually developing myself.
0: Yeah, uh, after they just reminded me of I have learned many things already from about Instagram from you. So I love you. Posted one one day about how to do screen record, and yeah. you know, and I, and I, I mean, I I was the guy going, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you could do this, and I'm trying to tell my teenagers later. Did you know about screen record? And they're looking at me like, you know, of course I know that old man. You know,
1: right? No, I. I'm in the same um, boat as you. Like um, people will do it, and then like, uh, so I I saw a couple of people screen record me, and then oh. they, they would put it on their Insta stories, and I was like, "Wait, second, how do you do that?" Do you do that? So that's why I was like, "Do you guys know that?" You-? <laughs> so i was all shocked and amazed i'm learning right along with you such a huge learning curve i luckily i have a few friends that are have been in this industry much longer than me so i was asking them the dumb questions (laughs) like
2: okay
1: "What what do you yeah
0: well, and that's where I feel like I, I'm trying to preach, you know, being authentic and all this all the time. And yet, man, I feel so insecure. And I even have tried to do some of the Insta stories and, and then I'll record something and then I'm trying to cut it up. And then I go to post it. And I don't know if I'm doing it to my story or sending it to somebody. And, you know, and then I do feel like it's the, ah, and I just drop my phone, you know, and I'll learn later. And so. did, did you yes. go through periods of that?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It- and right when I started Sophie On Purpose, also timing was perfect for me because that's right when Insta Stories came out. Oh, okay. So, um, so I was doing the Insta Stories and everybody was messing up on them. And that's cool. And what I love about Insta Stories is it does create authenticity. That's why I think so many people follow me is because they see my face and hear me okay. talk.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: It's a business. <laughs> it's not just a brand.
0: Um, I. I love I so see I like that you're making me feel more comfortable with I, I must do more insta stories. I, I love to uh,
1: I mean people
0: you know I I did one without shaving a couple of weeks ago and I got more comments about you know nice beard than I did about the content and I thought that was kind of funny too. I felt very interesting.
1: <laughs> oh that happens to me too. To me too. <laughs> but they're like, hey, it has nothing to do with this emotional piece that you're speaking about, but I really like your hair and it's all so pretty. And i I kind haven't of washed it in like five days. <laughs> so yeah, we're, yes. Um, okay.
0: I love it. Hey, so tell me, uh, and I, I did a little bit of research and preparation. And, um, so I, if I'm correct, I believe I heard that you're in elementary, you was your, Did you have a degree in elementary education or were you, were you a
1: teacher? It's early childhood, early
2: childhood,
1: mm-hmm. okay. early childhood education. And I taught in preschools before I had my kids and then, um, When I had my kids, I still um, worked with kids, like developing curriculum for children's organizations, and then also um, teaching preschool within my home. So I love kids. That's my passion is kids.
0: Okay. And then, so then how, what was that transition about then where you talked about you were doing some teaching parents as well, some parenting classes? When did that happen?
1: Um, So I've been teaching parenting classes for two years now. Okay. Um, Just that started when it was a local need. A friend of mine was like, hey, you know, I know how much you love kids, that you love your family, that you work hard to develop um, culture within your home. Can you teach these parenting classes? And so so I started doing that and it was just kind of uh, a mind shift for me because what I realized is that I can teach your child and your child for a few hours, but... Um, Long term, their growth and the impact is is parents. So to impact their lives, I started to teach the parents. And my whole focus here is generational change. Like I want to break generational cycles. I want to help parents break those cycles, and for um, children to feel empowered and feel autonomous within their home.
0: I love it. So the generational change. I mean, so that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a big undertaking, one that is so needed. Um, because I feel like a lot of parents do when they don't know what to do next. They just, they just say, well, this is just who I am, or this is the way I was raised. Do you run into that very often?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, a crazy statistic out there that 60% of abused children abuse their children. Yeah. It is that, well, and, and you know, you're in this um, yeah. industry too, like that cycle of modeling is so, so strong. And um, that's why I speak to the power of being a parent is because you have the greatest power of all for your child. That's how a child's brain is wired is to look to parents in all things and for you to set the standard of behavior for your home. So um, yeah, that modeling is so so important what we choose to do with our actions how we choose to metabolize um our appointments how we, you know um all of that stuff but how we choose to look at the world becomes our child's reality
0: yeah and and, and uh, you know and i always talk about that's you're you're you know you're kind of helping them um set the wiring down under the foundation you know that's uh, you And what a great opportunity to change some of the things that maybe you didn't like about the way you were parented. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. It's a wonderful, I, every time I speak to parents, I just feel an overwhelming um, responsibility and it's very, very humbling to teach them something and then for them to take it into their home and then apply in their home, which is a sacred thing for me.
0: So, and I, so it sounds like you've done some curriculum development on your own. And so did that, is that part of what your, when you started teaching parenting classes, did you have a particular paradigm you were working from, or was it things that you kind of gathered over your life in your education?
1: Yeah, all of that, all of that. I, I really believe that we are made for things. Um, so my growing up was very unique. I have a mother that has a PhD in child psychology. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, my father was diagnosed with MS when I was five, and so he's been in wheelchair since I was ten. And um, so I've always had this great respect for human struggle. And I've also um, been surrounded by the naughty kids my whole life because my mom wanted them around. <laughs> she, oh, she did. <laughs> yeah, she wanted. Yeah, and they were fascinating to her. And so you know, and the, those were always the children that needed the love the most, but asked for it in the very worst ways and um and she worked wonderfully with them so um yes I've always been an advocate for parenting with love and um but I at one point I read books by Dr. Glenn Latham uh-huh and several may, are you familiar with this yeah
0: boy? yeah you bet yeah
1: yeah so I I love how he puts power back into the hands of the parents simply by teaching behavioral science principles and then um applying them into the home in a way that's very Christ-like parenting. So he changed my life forever. I was very inspired by him. And so taking all these pieces of what I've learned through my education, inspired by his work, taking other pieces from many, many books that I've read with parenting and of course my own little test tube of experiments is my home. <laughs> right. <laughs> really well. And the changes that I've seen and not only that, but the changes that I've seen in thousands of parents that I've talked to, that I've consulted with. So, um, um I'm never the one to go up to a parent in real life and say, Hey, these are the, the ways that you can make your life better. Yeah. Life better. In fact, um, I've, you know, people that know me in real life, I've never done that before. I, um, But Simply on Purpose gave me that platform to yeah. teach and to um, give a reason for parents to change. And- hey, isn't it,
0: is, I mean, do you find and just from an awareness standpoint that it can be hard at times when you see just some pretty blatantly, you know, I don't know, aggressive or negative parenting styles out in the wild? I mean, wanting to say, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, out in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the wild, that's so true. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it is. It is hard, but you know what? I I have compassion. I have compassion because I've been there. Yeah, been there. We all know what it's like to feel at our wit's end, to feel overwhelmed, and to feel insufficient and have insignificant power to be able to change what we want to change. We don't know how to do it, and so that's really why parents yell. Is we just are scared. We're afraid, and we're frustrated with ourselves.
0: Sure, and yeah, and, and don't have a don't know how to uh, how express that, how to how to get control of that, um, right? Uh, so that it comes out, and whether it's anger or frustration, or yeah, you're right. Um, I, I ran into times. I'm thinking of one in particular. I, I will change all of the details, but just again being in the wild, and uh, you know, having someone recognize um, the work that I do, and they just said, uh, "Hey, I know you preach all that you know nurtured heart stuff, but uh, every now and again, you know." i just need my kid just needs a good yelling at you know and i thought oh okay um you know uh we probably need a few sessions to kind of process what that what that's about for you um you know and and, and but i don't want
2: to yeah
1: i know and it's that is the that is the i think that's the secret that's like the heart of it is it's really nothing to do with the child it's everything to do with the parent.
2: yes
0: yeah Um, Hey, let me circle back around to, I have to ask, as a a therapist who has, I have four kids, and uh, you grew up in the home of someone with a PhD in child development, um, was that, you know, were there times where that was annoying, where you felt like my mom is being a therapist on me, or what was that like?
1: You know what, it wasn't really annoying, other than the fact that she would like use me as her little test rat, so... (laughs) So like I I can't tell you how many IQ tests I took.
2: Oh, that's funny.
1: Okay. And like other like memory cognitive tests and oh, and she'd even like loan us out sometimes to other PhD <laughs> students that needed a child to to do some of those tests on. And it was like, it was fine though. It was okay. I, you know, there were some of them that were really fun. Like, you know, there's manipulatives and stuff like that. So Right. It was it was okay. It was fun. It was good. Um She was just super busy. She's super busy, but it was her calling. Like, and it still is. It still is her passion.
2: Nice.
1: Oh my goodness. I can't even tell you. Just in my home alone, how much she has blessed our home. I have a child that has some learning um, disabilities and she has blessed us so much with just tools that she's given me.
0: Yeah. No, that is, I love that. I need to give my kids more (laughs) IQ tests is what I'm hearing.
2: Yes! (laughs) Step it up. (laughs) (laughs) I I think...
0: We're going to a movie. We were going to a movie the other night with my kids, and I realized I'm five minutes into a lecture about you know the basal ganglia and the habit center of the brain. And listen to this, kids! And here's the neuro pathways, and your brain's trying to be lazy. And you know, and and they're just tuned out, you know, and uh, you know. <laughs>
1: oh, oh! Keep doing it. My- <laughs>
0: Oh. Hey, so um, and I and this will sound like a pretty cheesy therapist question, a little open-ended, but tell me what that was like. You know, you you say your dad was diagnosed with MS and he was in a wheelchair, and 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 I'll kind of take you on my train of thought. I've worked with um a number of clients that have had kind of uh those kind of challenges with their parents and feeling the, you know, there's the empathetic response at times. I don't know if there were times where you felt Um, if there was ever embarrassment or if there was ever, you know, any of those, what were the emotions like around that growing up?
1: Well, overall, I completely believe that, um, my dad having MS has made me a better person Uh and it's taken down walls that naturally would have built up for people who have disabilities. I have so much respect for that. And, his disability taught me independence. It taught me how to laugh at myself. He's so good at laughing at himself.
0: Well, that's nice.
1: He yeah. had a different personality and um, you know, was more prideful or uh, was worried about what other people thought about him. It would it would have been a different story, but um, he's taught me how to love my life, to not care about what other people are doing. In fact, <clears throat> one year, I think I was 11, there was like a daddy-daughter dance. And I was like, "Oh, he can't dance." Yeah. Um, and he said, "I don't care. Let's go." <laughs> well, how's this going to work, Dad? And so we went to the daddy-daughter dance, and he's like, "Hey, roll me out there, push me out." Oh, I love it. Floor. and we just—I was like, "All right." And he just started, you know, spinning the wheelchair around, and he'd have me sit on his lap and spin it around, and like there was nobody else in that room but the two of us and he's he taught me how to live that way just to be grateful for what I have because he I can't be upset with my life because he has lived with so little and has been so happy
2: wow
1: yeah
0: okay so that I mean that's uh that kind of a lesson I think is it would it almost be impossible to kind of get it at the depth you did without seeing the how your dad handled that situation
1: yeah, he he was just, yeah, so, so good at um, shielding us from his sadness. He very rarely showed us that he was sad that his dreams of, you know, all, all his whole life, you know, he, he eventually got a disability, couldn't work anymore. He couldn't provide for our family anymore. That's why my mom went into her degree and um, he was a stay-at-home dad. Uh, he was like a football star in high school. I mean, he was just athletic. Paul, strong. He was, a, a you know, a, an amazing person. And, um, he will tell you without question that MS will get him into heaven. Like it's refined him. It's softened him. It's made him be who he is today. And, um, we're all, all of us are just so grateful for his example. We just like, he's just kind of our, he's our cheerleader. He's our North star. We look to my dad for, for a lot of things.
0: That's okay. That's beautiful. And I feel like going back to when we talk about the, the parents can ultimately um, set the tone for the family, that if there's a parent that then was looking at that situation as a, as a woe is me, then that's going to translate to the kids, right? So, I mean, even as parents, if we are going through challenges or struggles, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, setting the blueprint of how our kids will handle that down the road. Do you, do you feel like that's true?
1: Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Because like I said, even if, you know, I, there's a bump in my road, I just look back at my dad and say, he was amazing. How, how, how can I complain about what I'm dealing with when he's you know dealing with these huge struggles every day? And, and going back to the fact that he would just laugh at himself. I think that's so hard for parents to do. Like, yeah, need to learn how to smile and laugh at themselves and laugh at the situations that there is. Sometimes our kids will do the funniest things just to get out of stuff. And it's hilarious. So, um, I remember one time he was, you know, he's got progressive MS. And so it was just slowly take away his his abilities. There's one point where he was in crutches and, um, he, my brothers dared him to walk the length of the family room without the aid of the crutches. Oh. oh I can do it, I can do it. And they're like, no way, Dad, there's no way you can do it. He's like, I can totally do it. So he he tried. He tried so hard. This Christmas time, he made it halfway and he fell into the Christmas tree and knocked oh. the Christmas over. <laughs> he was just laughing so hard and everybody was laughing so hard. It was just the Oh, it was just a magical memory if If he would have had a different personality, it would have been a completely different
0: yeah um I okay, I love what you're saying there i, I you know it's funny uh, this morning, I was vacuuming my office of all things. I've got a rug in here that'll pick up the uh, dirt, and I don't know why, but I found myself wanting to I was thinking about ideas of other uh, podcast ideas and and just the phrase "my bad" kept coming up and I thought about i don't I feel like a lot of parents aren't willing to say you know, that they are at fault or that, you know, Hey, my bad, I, I did that. It's like, uh, cause they feel like that's going to, their, their kids all of a sudden are going to think less of them and they'll never have any uh, control or, or power or influence over their kids. If they admit mistake or if they admit fault.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so important to show your child that you're human because, you know, it's interesting with every relationship, you know, that so well, I'm sure is that either we crave power, we crave connection. Hmm. if you are admitting that you're human and apologizing to your child or just getting down on your knees and hugging it out, you're just, you're craving that connection over power.
0: Yeah. I loved when, you know, I love when you said that you, you wanted to work more with parents and I just, I was going to share that, you know, when I was doing my practicum as a therapist, I worked at a agency and I was kind of being sent kids um, from parents that were mandated to go because the, and, and I found that I felt like I couldn't, it was harder for me to work with the kids because I found myself, um, you know, lovingly frustrated with the parenting. But I feel like, you know, over the years, that's, I've got a lot more empathy for what maybe those parents were going through. I mean, I'm curious, do you run into situations, especially at your parenting classes, where parents are trying to kind of push back and, and tell you that, you know, it, that, it, that just wouldn't work in their home. And if so, what do you do with that?
1: So, yes, I do. I have gotten that kind of pushback. And um, so I've learned at the beginning of my workshops to kind of do a caveat to all the things that I'm going to be teaching. I completely realized that um, just like children we will learn when we're ready to learn, not when people are ready to teach us. So mm-hmm. they have to be ready. And I can't make them ready. They need to decide to let go of those preconceived notions, those limiting factors um, that don't allow them to learn, don't allow them to open up to new ideas. And so I'll just kind of tell them there's lots of different parents that come to these workshops. And even though they've already invested financially in them, um, they will get in what they put out. So they, um, you know, writing furiously in their workbooks or um, connecting or... or um, Allowing their brain to tell them that all the reasons why they, what doesn't apply to them. Um, You know, you know, that like brain sciences that brains don't like to grow.
2: Yeah.
1: They find it scary. They find it, um, you know, it's not, there's no certainty. Yeah. Yeah. And so our brain will give us all the reasons why we shouldn't grow. It'll, you know, every time you try to do something new, it'll tell you all the reasons why you can't do that or it's not, doesn't apply to you or it won't work. So um, I just say like, be aware of that. Listen to yourself. If yourself is telling you, (laughs) these are all the reasons, like let go of those and say, how can it? Why can't it? Like, let me give it a try. And if what you're doing today is not working, do something different. That's why they come to the workshops. That's why they listen to me is because there's something within them that's telling them that there's a better way. I love it.
2: That that's I mean that
0: is the you know I'm I love uh, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy and so yeah if the goal is to become a better parent and you're there providing information and their brain immediately is going to say you know, that wouldn't work in my home or my kids are different, or I, I don't have those skills and to sit back and just, yeah, they call the, in acceptance and commitment therapy, they call the brain a reason giving device. Yeah. you write All the reasons why that's not going to work. And then true or false doesn't really matter. We're trying to workable thoughts towards your goal. So I love that yeah. you're saying, okay, you're here kind of open the mind and just, and in an acceptance and commitment therapy, often they'll say, listen to all those stories that your brain's trying to get you to fuse to or hook to. And even just thank your brain, you know, Oh, okay. Thanks for the feedback, but I'm not really going to jump on that right now. You know,
1: Um, I love it. I love (laughs) because you're validating how you feel. You're like, all right. Yep. That thank you. (laughs) move Move on, move on.
0: Yeah. And it's so funny. I, uh, I used to be so when I first learned of the acceptance and commitment therapy, my, the thing that would just get me out of those was, honestly just being able to tell you know to say um oh i see what you're doing there brain you know and uh and and it's just like you know i'm I'm not falling for that one and uh and i used to kind of laugh to myself but wow am i really talking to myself and my brain on the inside and um and then i thought oh wow look at that story now my brain's trying to tell me hey ps you're crazy you know so um you know just listen to me you know and brains are good they they try hard oh
1: they do they try so hard. I tried so hard <laughs> okay, so tell me
0: all right so tell me where the, the the positive parenting movement then comes from it sounds like and your role in uh, early childhood uh, development your role in teaching um, from your parents and you know when did that all come together and I don't know how scary was that when you first kind of put that out there especially the classes
1: um you know what I was never scared about putting positive parenting out there because I Believe in it so much, I'm actually really excited when I teach because I want people as many parents as possible to hear about it. Um, so I'm never nervous about it uh, as far as like all the pieces coming together, they still are coming together okay. <laughs> was i'm I'm very much growth mindset, so um I have probably ten versions of the workbook <laughs> okay,
0: I love it.
1: I'm on version eleven now, so um it, every single time I've learned more, I, it's never like, okay, this is as good as it's going to get because that wouldn't be fair to me. It wouldn't be fair to my family. It wouldn't be fair to people that I'm teaching. And I'm just always trying to get better at my craft. What I'm
2: doing. I, okay. This,
0: I love, okay. Can I, uh, this might not even make sense. We're going to try this one on the fly here, but I remember when I was, when I was a, when my kids were all little and I would talk about wanting to be more positive or I would be, I, I mean, I remember taking a, Marriage relations class at church, and I remember the instructor was, You know, well, you just wait, you just wait till your kids are older, then all this happy stuff that you're trying to do will won't be applicable, you know. And and uh, and and I feel like I'm constantly, you know, now all my kids are older, and now it's like, Well, just wait till they're all out of the house, or, you know, and and I find that uh, there's this constant kind of people feeling like um, you know, their their situation is so unique, that they don't need to buy into this positive stuff, they don't need to worry about change and that, you know, you'll understand when you get to whatever place it is that they're at. I mean, yeah. you drew run into that.
1: Yeah, I do. I run into it because I have all girls. Oh yeah, any, They'll find any reason. <laughs> they'll find any reason to not change because yeah. it's hard. It's a lot of work and I want to put it that out there. It does look like work. I mean, I always say simply on purpose, it's not easy on purpose. It's simply on, (laughs) you know, they're not, those aren't the same things. So, uh, yeah, uh, any reason to, to not, I get pushed back, but you know what? I get more growth than pushback. So, um, moving forward if I, if I get more growth.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, I love your humor. Has that been something that has been natural for you? Do you always feel like you've been pretty funny or is that something Are you are, is that, you know are you trying to work some of your humor in there at times or, or you know what's that is that intentional
1: yeah well you know what it is it's both it's um I you know that's just part of my family culture growing up everybody's dorky a <laughs> lot uh, you know we just kind of make fun of ourselves again coming from my dad and um positive pairing all about using your mind to create a positive life so that our words and our thoughts become our reality so that's You know, what I'm always working on is to see the sunny side of life and um, to use my ability to look for the good to discipline my children. So it's just it's just who I am and um, also practicing even more to become so.
0: Okay. And when I like when your Insta stories and this is, I think part of where I've, i really appreciated the way that you do them is, uh, man, I'll go off on a tangent. My, I'll, I'll talk out loud about where my mind goes or my train of thought. And, uh, you know, I feel like that is part of that being authentic. I feel like you're, you know, that's who you are. If you kind of have a thought in the moment, you're going to go with it. I mean, so do you not do a whole lot of editing with the Insta stories? Do you just let them, let them flow?
1: Yeah, I don't do a lot of editing. Um, I had I've had someone ask me that before somebody that I was mentoring and um she's like so you don't like practice? I was like she's like you don't like record them and then save them to your phone and then post them later I'm like Nope, I just record oh, I love it. I love it and it just shoots right up into the into the sphere of the internet and I um so yeah it ha- happens automatically I I um though I do really um appreciate the 15 seconds Um, People will say, hey, you know, there are apps out there that are cut story or what, you know, all those apps that you can to do like a, you know, a long video and then I'll cut it up into 15 seconds. I appreciate the ability to gather my thoughts again and then start um, over with 15 seconds. So. that has.
0: I I assumed that everybody was doing the cut story stuff, and so I'm all right. There's my challenge today. I'm going 15 seconds at a pause.
1: <laughs> yeah, give it a try. Give the 15 seconds a try. You'll you will start to uh, talk in 15 second increments. <laughs>
0: okay, I, I was going to say I'll find myself uh, naturally pausing. I broke my hand one time and I couldn't type, and I got one of those uh, voice dictation software pieces, and I noticed that I was starting to say things like. Uh, you know, um, to my wife, where would you like to go to dinner, comma? I'm very hungry, period, you know, and um, you start doing what you had to do for the voice dictation. So I feel like that's the the Insta stories is going to be, that's my life now, right? 15 (laughs) seconds.
1: yeah, you only have 15 seconds of fame. uh,
0: There's a fun fact. I mean, I know that in parenting, a lot of times I remember some of the data behind how long a kid actually pays attention when you're giving them a lecture and it's somewhere (laughs) around 45 seconds or translated into three Insta story chunks. So- um, Right, kind of nice. That's
1: cool. I like that. Yeah,
0: that's good. You have three, I
1: eight, three. much longer than that. So, <laughs> I mean,
0: the, the, the concept there is like when you're telling them things that they apparently they don't want to hear, they they'll hang in there for about forty five seconds. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, which,
1: yes, which that's why. Yeah, it's so important to engage their brain, and so I it's, that's a that's a skill that we teach in the workshops is instead of telling them the things that they already know ask them. And not only are you engaging their brain, so you're collaborating with them, you're also proving to them that they already know those answers. The answers are within them. They're kind of in them. It's called self-instruction. So we all learn the best when we teach ourselves.
0: Okay. I love that. I do. I, and I get parents all the time asking me, I don't even know how to talk to my teen. And it's because, you know, I feel like a lot of parents just typically want to go in there and tell tell their teen what they think yeah. instead, of, instead of saying, hey, tell me about your day. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your friends. Um, what's that like? Um, hey, what, what are your biggest struggles right now? What are the challenges? And then not immediately go to, because, you know, when I was in school, this is what I did. I mean, that's yeah. what I tune out, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um I call that safe talk and uh, you know, it comes from as inspired by Dr. Latham. It, it's just basically um, listening and shooting the breeze with your child and not trying to insert some kind of a teaching moment or moralizing or judgment or a sermon or whatever it is that parents often try to do whenever they're talking to a child especially a teenager um, oh, I love that. okay
0: teenagers. that's huge Ralphie because I do feel like I mean I get parents in my office who feel like you know and I sometimes I swear it's a it's the TV movie culture that is you know yeah. uh, my dad always anything he said was profound, you know. Instead of the, you know, you know, I like tacos, right? It's like nobody ever says in the movies, you know, I always thought about when my dad said, I like tacos, and that meant so much to me, you know.
1: Um. <laughs> well, it goes back to like that, um, you know, children will learn when they're ready to learn. I read this book called How You Measure Your Life. It's by, um, oh my goodness, Clayton Christensen. Uh-huh. Anyway, so he talks of this story. You'll love it. The story of he, he um, knows a mother whose children have all launched. And he just was like, you know, marveled at how well they did. So we went up to her and he's like, hey, tell me the secrets. I have the secrets about how to raise good kids, you know, they're in Ivy League schools and let me know how to do it. So she said, this is this is it, is that they they will learn when they're ready to learn, not when I'm ready to teach them. She's like, so let me give you an example. She said, one day we were at a family reunion and I was like, hey guys, gather around, gather around. Do You remember that time where you had that? magical family home evening and everybody was listening and we started crying and everybody's hugging each other and we said we loved each other so much and we were the most amazing family and they were like I don't have any idea what you're talking about mom I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about they're like mom but I do remember that time that you came and you sat by my bed and you rubbed my back because I failed that test and I was crying and you gave me hope that I would do better next time do you remember that mom she's like I don't have any idea what you're talking about." wow yeah oh. yeah so there, you know, when, when they're ready to learn, the teacher will show up. We just have to be there. We just have to be present in our child's lives.
0: You know what, that, One of the things that uh, hits me a lot. So I taught, um, you know, I taught a early morning seminary class for seven years. And I remember going to a training and, uh, you know, people would just knock themselves out hours and hours of, uh, of preparation each night. And, uh, and I went to a training once where the, the person doing the training said, you know, out of the 180 days or whatever you're going to be teaching the kids, they might remember three or four of the lessons, but they're going to remember, you know, how much you love them or you love the material or you love the, your, you know, how much you just love life. They're going to gonna pull more from that than they are from the, you know, remember the three hours I prepared so that we would have this clever way to cover these, you know, eight verses of scripture. It's like, no, not going to really remember that, but they'll remember that, that you know, they, that you loved them or the, the things that you were teaching.
1: Yeah, yeah, no question, no question. And I think that parents worry so much about their kids' stuff or what a kid is doing. It's more important to shift your focus to what you're doing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, What model you're setting because um, they will follow your model. Um, In fact, the statistic is 80% of children, even though they've made terrible mistakes through adolescence, they'll return to the values of their parents in adulthood. So I say, you know, if you want your child's room to be clean, keep your room clean. If you want your children to be service minded, be service minded. If you want your children to be patient, be patient. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really what matters.
0: I'm finding myself noticing that, uh, you know, my wife keeps her half clean. So I guess I'm setting my kids (laughs) up for half the room to be clean. And that will be that will be okay. Um, hey, I want to I want to ask you a kind of well, a couple of things. I, what do you do? You deal a lot. You deal a lot with moms, um, and do you do you deal a lot with the uh, the struggle of comparisons? Or, you know, kind of. And I don't know if social media kind of plays a lot into that. Or what are your thoughts on that? Comparing to others and how they parent and the things they do.
1: Yeah, I do absolutely, especially with parenting and the skills that I teach. I talk about like ignoring the junk behavior and just paying attention to the good. And I, and um, that's very hard for parents because they feel like that's not a social norm. That's actually you know frowned upon when parents don't nip things in the bud.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but um, I just try to focus on te- ma- uh, making your life a purposeful one. So living it purposefully, whether that be uh, telling your children, hey, you guys are going to watch Ariel for two hours while I take a nap. Yeah that's a purposeful decision versus, oh my word, they've been watching TV for three hours and I've been you know, scamming through Facebook. Uh, just living it purposefully, even if it means, yeah, taking that two hour nap, even if it means walking away when your child is having a tantrum, you're yeah. still with a purposeful decision. I think as long as we say, I am doing this for a reason, it makes you feel so much better. Yeah. And um, also that gift of being unique, the ability to change lives through your struggle we aren't supposed to be the same that, that's not how, that's not what life is all about right I, um there's so many things that i'm terrible at and i don't expect myself to be good at everything so just that gift of being unique and um for mothers just they really struggle with mom guilt in yeah. they really struggle with that i'm sure you hear a lot about that so just the the piece of just showing up every day and if you show up <laughs> and you say, here I am, I'm here. That means therefore I can become something. And I just that focus on progress and not like, Oh, I still have so much farther to go to be the quote unquote good parent. It's just focusing on step-by-step step, making a little bit of progress.
0: I love that. I wrote down that gift of being unique. You know, I, I, uh, I gotta tell you what part of what I didn't see coming when I, when I became a therapist was really more of um, just that concept of of empathy and what everyone's struggle has been that no one can possibly understand. And then you know, we call it schema and psychology, but all the all the baggage you bring into the every situation, right? The baggage you bring into parenting and to marriage, and and it's all unique to you because of the things you've been through and the way you perceive things. And so how why on earth would we want to uh, try to say that well, I should be like this other person? Because who knows what all of their um their baggage, right? But it's it's so hard to kind of separate that. I think
1: it is, and um, it's hard for parents to not project that on their children as well. That that I, ideology of perfection, yeah. um, kids to be good at everything, and that's so hard for kids to live up to that. It's very it's a great struggle for parents to learn that there's some things that just aren't supposed to be fixed. They're yeah. just be endured there's you're supposed to build tolerance for it and you are supposed to learn from it and your child's supposed to learn from it
0: yeah and i think uh, and i think one of the biggest things that i feel even especially as a parent is uh and i and my job is to always let them know i'm here i'm they're not going to bring me some uh, you know uh too much too many things where they don't feel like they've done something right and and i'm never going to say okay that's it you know you're out I, i've Yeah, this many chances. And it's like, no, please keep bringing me the data. Keep bringing me your feelings. Keep bringing me the situations. And let's work through it. You know, and that's kind of, I think, what what our job is. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Bring me the data. That's great. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, I've never done this before. But I'm curious, because I've kept you a very long time. What if, uh, if if, if we just pretend that we're doing a speed round? um, And I've got what have I got here, I sent you a few, maybe like six topics. And I don't even know. Uh, just your thoughts. I'm not, I'm not saying we have to go like full ink blot test. You just give me one word, but, uh, you know, if, uh, I don't know, like 30 seconds, a minute, whatever you feel, are you ready, Ralphie?
1: Oh, I guess. Yes. <laughs> okay. All
0: right. Uh, all right. Your thoughts or what you would tell someone who asked you, uh, your stance on curfews.
1: Okay. Um, curfews, I believe in them. Children thrive on boundaries. They love boundaries. They look for them. And parents are the ones that are supposed to provide those boundaries. Um, but I also believe that there are um, stronger things than curfews that will bring a child home. So if your your environment is encouraging, if your environment is positive, if your environment is welcoming to a child, they will keep to those curfews and they will they will come home when they're supposed to come home.
0: Oh, that's I'm mean, that is good right there stronger things and curfews that will bring a child home
2: yeah
0: okay okay all right well done that was even less than a minute okay. here here's one that boy I, I I hear this one often um you know what do you do about picky eaters
1: um so picky eating there's some there's things that parents love to create unnecessary power struggles over food is one of them clothing is another one and um, eating is a control issue here for parents. Uh, parents have a hard time understanding that their child's body is different. Children's body are naturally designed to some days barely eat. And then other days like eat you out of house at home <laughs> That's yeah. because they're growing and adults are so hyper-focused on portion control and what to eat, what not to eat. So allowing your child to intuitively eat, stepping back, um, allowing them to uh, learn natural cues from themselves are they hungry are they not hungry so they're not spending their entire adulthood trying to create their um to correct their relationship with food
2: oh
0: i like that correct the relationship with food okay ralphie you're two for two are you okay. ready okay um now that that now i feel like uh all of a sudden now you're you know you're having the pressure that what if you get one wrong right
1: i know i feel like I'm a <laughs>
0: there's no wrong okay allowances your thoughts on allowances
1: Okay, so usually people will um, define an allowance as um, something that a child just earns for being alive in the home. And I don't, um, I'm not a, an advocate for allowances. I am, however, an advocate for a work-for-pay system in a home. And the reason why is because it teaches a child the connection between effort and reward. And it teaches a child growth mindset, and they learn a lot of values through that through money. So, money, yes, they are getting paid the money, but the money is just a vehicle for learning time management, self reliance, self discipline, self regulation, um, moderation, honesty, courage like all those values that we want to teach our kids. So that I'm a big advocate for creating some kind of a work for pay system.
0: I love it, um, and I do want to. Now I feel the need to say you are three for three, Ralphie. Um, which is so
1: much. <laughs> and,
2: I,
0: and I skipped I skipped a part that I had put I think on the questions over to you, and but I would maybe we do uh, down the road. I would love to have yeah. you talk about your family economy because I think that's a, that's amazing. I, I I heard a couple. I heard you talk about that on some things, which is pretty neat. Uh, okay, three more questions. Okay, Um, kids who want to quit uh, either a sport or a musical instrument because they don't like it, Um, your thoughts, Ralphie?
1: Oh, so that's a really tough one because I feel like sometimes adults project their dreams onto their child, be a little (laughs) mini-me, and children, as we know, are born with um, different personalities, different dreams, different um, missions in their lives and ours, and so, if you find yourself projecting your dreams onto your child, and your child saying, "I'm an individual; I need to have you know my own individual dreams," then I would step back. But, however, I also believe in pushing through when things get hard. So, kids who don't want to do it just because it's hard—I um, very much am not um, a sheltering parent. I allow to, to my children's <laughs> my child, to struggle yeah. through things um, and a musical instrument is one of the best ways to push through things that are hard and to see their, see them growing, see that process.
0: So, and I love that. And I feel like, uh, and I I think you would be on the same page with me here, but really it's all invitations for connection with your kids. So if it's, uh, if they want to quit the musical instrument and you, and we launch right into the, hey, I, don't, I didn't raise a quitter, or I wish I would have played an instrument, you know, if we stop and say, tell me more about it right now, and you find out that, you know, their fingers bleed every time they play the guitar, then it's like, oh, okay, I can understand that, you know, we'll get you an oboe, or we'll get you some band-aids, or, and then, you know, instead of just going right in and saying, you're not on my watch, you're not quitting, so.
1: I, right, yeah, absolutely, connection, understanding, and Gathering the data, like you said.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say, I, just my train of thought here. I will say that I, the, one of the things I hear often is um, people that say they wish their parent would have at least made them keep playing the piano. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. I hear all the time because mm-hmm. people. I, all, I think every adult wants to play the piano, but uh, yeah. no kid wants to practice the piano.
1: Right, right. Yes, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, "Wow, well, that was such a waste of my time. I right. wish my parent had pushed me through." I'm um, playing the piano. So yeah, yeah, when they're
0: when they're an adult, it's like, boy, I hate this ability I have just to just kind of blow off steam playing the piano. I'm I'm very frustrated my parent made me do this, right?
1: So I know, I know. Okay. It's uh, pers- not had perspective like that, they just don't. So we just have to be okay. We we have to be okay with with the struggle.
0: All right. Okay. So I'm gonna combine the last two because they're basically the same thing. Um, but it's I had on here uh putting off homework slash procrastination.
1: Mm. Okay, so I feel like procrastination is kind of self-sabotage over regulation. We, yeah. um, we know from research that procrastinators are not born. They're actually, we actually learn to procrastinate. And it's often a response to like authoritarian parenting style, a parent that's controlling and hindering child's growth to regulate themselves, to figure out what they want in life, and then to act on it. Um, So I would just recommend like fostering a growth mindset culture in your home that um, procrastination is just, it's stress relieving yeah. because it has a fear of failure. So um, focus on progress and process and hard work rather than product. So saying you're a hard worker versus you're a smart kid and then also yeah. step back and um, you can also create like some kind of a positive reward system to create momentum. So yeah. that, is going and the child starts to learn their ability that, that there is a lot of great capacity to do good within them without a parent hovering over them.
0: That's perfect. Hey, uh, all right. Can I share? I've never uh, said this one out loud, but I'm, I get to be a part of a pretty cool group that is doing a lot of um, brain scan and brain uh, research. And so, cool. so when, you know, and you nailed it, right? The self-sabotage, the kind of trying to find some type of control or that sort of thing. And now we're kind of finding that now if the if the child or teen or even adult does that long enough and the procrastination now becomes the pattern or the habit, that it's like then when they, in that last moment, when they finally, you know, the deadline is moving and then they get the thing done, now the now the brain, the reward center is starting to throw out a little extra dopamine there at the end to give them the rush that they need to get it done. And so now, wow. all, of sudden, now all of a sudden it, it has become part of, you know, a habit. And then I think when I see people that are really struggling with it and we can identify that it you bet it was about, you know, control or or self sabotage. Absolutely. And now it's like, okay, now I'm aware of that, but it's still so difficult to not have to wait till the last minute. And we know now it's because you get this little rush of uh yeah. chemicals, right? So it's man, it's so important to try to, to address that early, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. That sounds very self reinforcing to right? continue to sabotage. And yeah. you know thing that's interesting is that um yeah there's research too that a child's iq doesn't actually determine their success it's actually just grit that determines
2: oh, right. okay death. i have heard so
1: that. so just oh, i i'm always an advocate for teaching grit for teaching you know pushing through hard things for not mowing over all of your child's obstacles so that they have a happy easy life Yeah. Um, easy for them right now so it's our it's our job to help them to have wider shoulders help them to go through things that are hard and to build that determination that grit that they need so much to have success in their life
0: i love it ralphie i I kept you for a very long time i'm so grateful for your time this was a blast it really was.
1: Yeah. I love talking to you too. It was super yeah. fun.
0: No. All right. So uh, we'll have to, we'll have to uh, do this again and uh, down the road, talk family economy and some other things too, but thank you so much for being on the virtual couch. I really appreciate it. Oh, so where can oh. people find you? Where do people find you on Instagram, right?
1: Yes. On Instagram, simply on purpose. That's okay. where I, that's where I spend my time. <laughs>
0: okay. and, then, uh, and then you do, you do parenting workshops. Is it is somewhere different every month? Is that what I read?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I travel once a month to a different location somewhere, you know, I've been to Utah, California, Washington. Um, yeah, I just kind of go all over the place.
0: Okay. And then do you already know where you're heading in the next couple of months?
1: Yeah, I'm going to, um, Utah again, Idaho, California, back to Arizona, um, back to Washington. Yeah. Uh,
0: Okay. All right. Next time you're in California, I want to have you in in person. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I would love that.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Ralphie Jacobs, thanks so much for spending time on the virtual couch. Thank you.
2: Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber she said